We are on week seven, and uh, next week will be our final week because um, we got to make a transition at some point. We, I mean, we, we're in this series on Jesus, and we definitely haven't covered everything that there is, and we'll definitely come back to him because he is the centerpiece of our faith. But uh, today we're going to be looking at Jesus and faith. Jesus and faith. And we're going to see what we can learn from Jesus about faith. Because the more that we learn about faith, what it is and what it isn't, the easier it is to flow in the faith of God, to flow in the faith of God in your life. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Do you know that? Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And when you're born again, you receive what? The measure of a measure, right? You receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the fruit of the Spirit when you were born again. And it says we receive the measure of faith. Each one of us has received faith. But what are we going to do with it? What have you been doing with your faith? You've received it, you got it, but what are you doing with it? Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. We all have it, and faith is based on our relationship with the Father because what is your faith in? Your faith is either in the world, in the things of the world. Your faith is either in your circumstances, right, and it, and it doesn't manifest as faith, it uh, manifests as the negative of faith, which is fear. Or your faith is in our Father, our Heavenly Father, a God that is for us, a God that is good. So the closer your relationship you of a relationship that you have with the Father, the easier it is to walk in faith. Jesus says he didn't do anything. He didn't speak anything. Unless he's seen the Father do it. Talk about relationship, huh? Talk about intimacy. Talk about having faith. My goal today is to inform or to inspire you to faith. And it, hopefully it won't be to infuriate you. But if I do infuriate you, that's okay. Because at least you're learning through your anger. Because faith does stir us up a little bit. The subject of faith stirs us up. I was sharing with the prayer team downstairs this, this morning that I remember when I was young and uh, we were doing a, a men's Bible study on faith and uh, I was teaching and I didn't realize that uh, people get offended over the word. And, uh, so, and, and, I, and I didn't sugarcoat things like I do now. And we were just teaching on what Jesus had to say about faith. And in the midst of us teaching, it wasn't, we were teaching the word. We were teaching about what was being said. It wasn't a personal story we were sharing. It wasn't a, a uh, um, talking directly to an individual. It was just teaching the word. In the midst of all of that, a guy takes his Bible, slams it shut, says, I don't have to take this. And everybody was stunned. And they look at him, and he says, you can't tell me I don't have faith. 
and he stormed out. That was on a Saturday morning. On Sunday morning, he came up to me and apologized and says, I don't know what came over me. I've never done anything like that in my life. You know, Jesus, he went after the religious teachers of the day because they were self-righteous individuals. They thought that they earned God's approval. They thought they were special people based on what they did. And Jesus said that they were whitewashed tombs, they were filled with dead man's bones, and that they were self-righteous. He went after them. But his disciples, those that were closest to him, those that were spent three and a half years with him, those that he taught, that walked with him, that ate supper with him every night, that slept in the same quarters every night, that, that they seen him speaking, they seen him living, they seen the way that he did things. He, ridiculed, he went after them too. But it was their faith that he ridiculed, not ridiculed, but went after. O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? How many times did they hear that in that three and a half year period? How many times did you read it in the Gospels? There's been very few times in my life that I've ever had a person Honestly say, look, I don't have the faith. I, I, I know I'm not in faith. There's nothing wrong with saying that you're not in faith. It's better than saying that acting like you are in faith. Putting on the charade. And I won't be as blunt as Jesus today. But I'll just read what he said. But Jesus was brutal. You know, we talked last week about being moved with compassion. Jesus was brutal on the subject of faith. Everyone has faith. Do you know that? Everyone has faith. And there is a human faith. There's a human faith, and we all have the capacity to believe something. You realize that? That all of us, that's what makes us unique from all living creatures, is that we have the ability to to look into the future and believe something about it. There's some of you sitting here to this morning and you're looking into the future and you're believing something about your future and it brings up fear, it brings up worry, it brings up stress because you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're not focusing on what your Heavenly Father is speaking to you. You're not getting the vision of what your Heavenly Father has. You have the vision of what you're able to do, what you're able to accomplish, what can... And it brings out fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. Even fear, you got to understand this, fear is believing something. Fear is believing something. Fear is the negative of faith. Much of what has been accomplished in our world has been done through human faith. Right? The Wright brothers believed that they could fly. 
We believed that we could put a man on the moon. They believed that. They had faith for it. So everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. But human faith is different from spiritual faith. Human faith believes on what is possible based on what is seen in the natural world and is based off natural law. Spiritual faith is birthed from the Word of God. Spiritual faith is birthed out of the Word of God. And it can supersede your five physical senses, your knowledge base of your, of your senses, and, the, and natural knowledge. The faith of God can supersede what your carnal mind is telling you. Do you know that? You can get a vision over your circumstances. You can see with the mind of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he, he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So what have we learned about Jesus up to this point? We learned that Jesus was God, but he laid aside all of his attributes that made him God and was found in the flesh, became a man, was likened unto his brothers. He became like we were. And everything that Jesus did, he did it as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. So did Jesus please God? I mean, we got God's word on it. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So if Jesus was pleasing to God and it's impossible to please God, it's, and without faith it is impossible to please him, we see that Jesus was a man of faith. Jesus was a man of faith. Think about this. When he stood up, when he came out of the wilderness, being tempted of the devil, he came out of the wilderness, walked into synagogue, found his place in, in the book of Isaiah that said, where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Did that take faith for him to believe that? Did it take faith for him to walk that out? Here's something interesting, a little side note on here. Do you believe that God is a rewarder? Do you know how many people don't believe that God is a rewarder, that they think God's against them, that God's not for them, that God's a taker? It says, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those that seek him. God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. What's a rewarder? One who gives what you are seeking. So, so most of us, this is where we stumble right off the bat. We don't believe God is good. We don't believe that he's a rewarder.
When we don't see our prayer, prayers answered the way that we think that they should be answered, what do we do? Well, it must not be God's will. Well, I thought he was a rewarder. You don't believe he's a rewarder. You must believe that he's a rewarder. You must believe it. Because that's what faith is. Faith is believing in the goodness of our heavenly Father. Have you ever wondered if you're walking in the faith of God? Have you ever wondered that? Just ask yourself. Just ask yourself this. Say, self, am I thinking, am I speaking, am I acting like Jesus? Am I acting like Jesus if he was in my situation? That's a pretty good way to find out if you're in faith. If Jesus was in my exact situation, what would he do? That was such a big thing back in, what, in the early 2000s? What would Jesus do? And then other, other people would say, do what Jesus did. See, we can be religious, but when you ask, start asking yourself that Simple question, am I in faith? Am I believing? Well, am I doing exactly what Jesus would do in this situation? That answers our question. That answers our question. We need to learn to please God by looking at Jesus' example and his teaching and then imitating him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, it says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See that rewarder? Do not worry. Do not worry then, saying, do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? See, Jesus here is referring to little faith. You can have little faith, and it's not a good thing. It's not something that pleases him, is it? Little faith does not please God. Do you know faith has nothing to do with you? It has to do with who God is. When we have little faith, you know what that means? We have a little God. Man, fun. So how do we how do we worry? How do we take thought? How do we take thought? It says, therefore, take no thought saying. Therefore, take no thought saying, how do you worry? It's not just a mental thought that's in your head, but it's saying. It's speaking. Your words empower your thoughts. Your words release authority into the spiritual realm for God to accomplish his word or release his fear into the spiritual realm to allow that to work in your life. Remember, fear is faith 
working in reverse. See, this is how faith works. Faith works when something is conceived in your heart. You get a vision in your heart. You see it in your heart. Then you focus on it. You meditate on it day and night, and then you speak it out of your mouth. That's how faith happens. You know fear happens the exact same way? You're in bed, can't sleep, restless, rolling in the sheets, because you have something conceived in your heart that everything's going to fall apart, that there is no future, that things aren't going to go right, that there's not going to be enough, that um, the relationship can't be mended. All of these things, you just constantly meditate in, 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 in your heart over and over again. The role, you're meditating on them day and night. It's all you think about day and night. And then that's, what you, that's how you speak. You're constantly negative. You're constantly speaking out the fear that's in, in your heart. And we're supposed to be the opposite way. We're supposed to be focusing on what God has said day and night. Well, Chad, I go to work. I got things to do. I can't focus on God's word day and night. Well, you sure can worry day and night. You can be doing your job and worrying about all the things that are going on in your life. Fear is faith in the power. Listen, fear is faith in the power of the enemy or your circumstances to do you harm. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Faith in God is focused on God. Faith is focused on God. It focuses on his word. It comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It meditates on his word. It's convinced. It's, it's, it's conceived in your heart and then spoken out of your mouth, and the word of God has the power in itself to accomplish itself. It is a seed. The word of God is a seed. Do you know when you sow a seed, you don't, you, the farmer doesn't empower that seed to grow? The seed already has the power within it to manifest growth, to manifest the fruit. Faith is something that must be spoken. Take no thought. Take no thought saying. You take thought by saying, and Jesus says that faith touches all of the daily requirements of life. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Most people don't worry about those things until they need them. But Jesus says we're supposed to constantly have that mentality that we're meditating on our Father, that He takes care of our needs, that, he, that He's going to clothe us, He's going to provide for us, and we take no thought in worrying and fear. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to Him, imploring Him, saying, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, Fearfully tormented, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. 
For I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes, and, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Remember this when we get to a parable here in a little bit. He understood authority. He understood when he said something that his servant, his, 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 his men, his soldiers that are underneath them do exactly what he says. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. He marveled at this Gentile's faith. He marveled at this centurion's faith. He marveled that he understood authority. He understood who Jesus was and that just by saying the word, he could be healed. The centurion said, but say the word. It's interesting that Jesus never said the word. Jesus never said it. In verse 13, he says, go and it shall be done for you as you have believed. As you have believed. Speak the word only. See, great faith. Jesus says he has not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Great faith recognizes the authority of the word over the census. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and then hearing. What does that mean? Well, when you hear it the first time, you hear it with your physical ears, you hear it with your mind, right? And that's where a lot of people are. A lot of people are just hearing. They, they, they know it. They can quote the scripture. It's mental ascent. It's in their brain. They, they got it. But there's a second hearing. And that's hearing with your spirit. Because when you hear it with your spirit, that's when it becomes not knowledge, but faith. Not knowledge, but faith. See, some of you, when you, all, when we, when you were born again, faith came. And you first heard it in your ears, then you heard it in your mind, and then all of a sudden, something was birthed inside of you, and you knew. You said, oh my God, this is true. And for many of you, you got out of your comfort zones, you came to the front to, a, to an altar, in front of everybody you didn't care, because you knew it was true. And faith was birthed. Can you say that about every promise of, the, of God? Has faith come? Has faith been birthed on all the promises of God in your life? See, we need to know what the difference is between just knowing and having faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing. Hearing a second time. Everyone is hearing me naturally right now. But are you hearing me spiritually? And when I'm saying when you hear me spiritually, it's not hearing me, but you're hearing God. You're hearing God. You're hearing what God is speaking right now. Because that's where faith comes from. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, it says, And they brought to him a paralytic, paral 
paralytic. Yeah, a guy that was paralyzed. Laying on a bed. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, paralytic, that guy, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Do you remember this story? They come to Jesus' house. Jesus was in the house preaching. And they climb up on the roof because they couldn't get in. And they rip up the tiles. They rip up the roof. And they're letting this paralyzed guy down through the roof. And Jesus says, seeing their faith. Do you know faith can be seen? Faith can be seen. Faith has an action. Faith has a corresponding response. Living faith has a work that follows, and it acts according to its conviction. It's the same thing with fear. You can, you, you can, you, when you're around someone that's in fear, that's in worry, you can hear it. You can see it, and you can see faith. People say, people say I have faith. I have faith. Don't tell me I don't have faith. Well, show me your faith. Show me your faith. Show me that you have the faith, the fruit of the faith of God. In Matthew 9, 22, but Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. Remember this, the woman with the issue of blood that heard about Jesus and she thought to herself, if I just Touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. What made her well? What made her well? Jesus said her faith made her well. Your faith has made you well. Think about this. The scripture that we use a lot in here is that all the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus, in him, right? Think about this. Jesus was walking the earth. So this woman heard about Jesus. They, she heard about Jesus and she reached out in faith. And when she reached out in faith and touched Jesus, what was in him came out. The amen and the yes to her need. All the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ. And when she touched Jesus, just the hem of his garment, that yes, that amen, that reward came. Today, all the promises still find their yes and their amen in Jesus. And we still can be activated. They still can be activated when they are taken by faith. There are not preconditions when it comes to God. There's not preconditions. Faith is not based on you. Faith is based on what you believe about God. So many people think, because I'm at Karis New Testament Church this morning. God likes me. I, I'm pleasing to God because I'm here. No. What pleases God? Faith. 
Your actions, your actions are not pleasing to God. Your actions are the fruit of what you believe. So many people got it backwards. They think that I got to do all this stuff to make God pleased with me. And God's saying, no, you're backwards. If you just believe me and who I am and what I want to do for you, then you will do things that, that manifest what you believe. See, faith will always receive. It's always a yes and it's always an amen. Faith is always a yes and it's always an amen. But that's not what we really believe. Because we've said it. Well, maybe it's just not God's timing. Maybe, sometimes God's answer to us. Sometimes God's answer to our prayers is no. He did answer you. It was no. You ever hear that? No. If you really believe, it's always yes and it's always amen. If it's a promise of God, it's always yes and it's always amen. It's always, 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 always. We're the one that puts our own little religious tweak on it. Because if we don't receive, it can't be our fault. It has to be His. Faith is fun. Faith can receive from God with no preconditions. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 28, we see, When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. What was Jesus basically saying here? Jesus was saying, Okay, let's see if you believe. Jesus was brutal. They came, he says, do you think I can do this? Can, do you think I can heal you? Yes, Lord. Okay. Be, be it done according to how you believed. Let's see if you believe, boys. Who established the results of what happened to them? Was it God that established the results or the blind guys? If it's done according to your Faith, who was responsible for them receiving? The blind men. Why? Because God's already given it. It's yes and amen. Our faith, not God's, establishes what we receive. What does Ephesians 3.20 says? It's, It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Yeah, God can do that. God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Just wait. According to the power that works in you. I don't like that part. 
You mean that I have to partner? There, there, there's, there's some, I have to believe within me that I have to understand who I am in Christ Jesus and allow that power, that's the Spirit of God to work and move and manifest through me? How were you saved? How were you saved? It's, the way that you're saved is the way that everything else in the kingdom of God operates. Romans 8.10. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. There it is. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Believing in your heart. If the greatest miracle that on the face of the planet is done by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, don't you think the rest of them might be that same way? Why is it so easy to uh, to under, under, um, Why is it so easy to understand it in salvation, but it's hard? when it comes to having faith in salvation, but it, we take issue on every, area, every other area of our life, right? There's very few people that would argue with me that you have to believe in your heart and confess your, with your mouth and you have to be born again. But then you'll, those same people will argue with me about every single other finances, on healing, on any prayer that you, you'd have, restoration, joy, all that stuff, you'd argue with me. That it has nothing to do with what I believe in my heart and what I'm saying out my mouth. This is, we're just looking at what Jesus is saying. In Matthew 14, 31, it says, Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and, and said to him, You of little faith... Why did you doubt? This was Peter walking on the water. Peter was walking on the water. Here came Jesus walking on the water, and, Jesus, and Peter put Jesus on the spot. How did you, Peter put Jesus on the spot? He says, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come out on the water. What was Jesus supposed to say? Well, it's not me. Right? No, he, he had to. We've got to watch how we, we ask God questions. Because if you're asking them, and they only can answer you A or B, but the, the answer is, in, in, is C. But he says, if that's you, command me to come out on the water. And what did Jesus say? He said, come. And Peter got out and started walking on the water. No, he, he wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on the word come. He had a word from God. Peter could not walk on that water unless he had a word from God. That's why I've never got a word from God to walk on water. But if he ever gave me one, guess what? I could walk on water. He was walking on that little, if you look it up in, your, in, your, in, in, in the Gospels, it's a little just, if it's read, written in red, come. And he was walking on the word come. He's walking on the word. But Peter 
puts his focus on the circumstances and off that word. He puts his focus on the circumstances. Remember what it says? It says he looked at the wind and the waves bolsterous, and he started to sink. What did the wind and the waves have to do with his ability to walk on water? If it was, if it was dead calm, if there was no wind, if it looked just like glass out there, would it have been easier to walk on the water? No, he couldn't have walked on the water on the calmest of days. But he put his eyes on the circumstances. Faith can be strong and then disappear in an instant. He had strong faith. He's out there walking on the water. And just in a moment, faith was gone. Faith was gone. And what did Jesus say to him? Did he say, good job. You were doing so good. You kept down, you, you, you're the only one besides me that's ever walked on the water. You did just a, here's your participation trophy, Peter. Great job. No, he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Man, can you, you know what happened if I talked that way to people? I'd be known as the, the mean pastor. Doesn't that sound mean? But that's, what, that's how Jesus answered him. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus did not give him that participation trophy. This shows us that faith is affected by what we focus on. Faith is, a, is, 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 is affected by focusing on the temporal. Why do I say the temporal? Because there are a lot of things in your life that are temporal. There are facts in your life, but they're not truth. There are things in situations in your life right now that are ha happening temporarily. And if you focus on them, they'll continue longer than you'd like them to continue. But if you focus on faith, if you, if you focus on what God is saying, if you focus on what he is doing, then you can see your temporal line up with the truth. Faith is affected by what we focus on. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 28, I got to speed up. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Faith does not give up. This was the woman that had no covenant. She, had no, she was a Gentile. She had no covenant with God. She wasn't able to enter into the Mosaic Covenant and receive healing for her daughter, but she kept on persistently saying that, Jesus, you are the son of David, which was saying that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And by faith, this woman, in her persistence, reached into the future, into the future covenant, where all the nations of the world would be blessed through her and received her healing for her daughter. She reached into the future with her faith. Faith is persistent. 
and it will determine what we receive. Faith does not give up. Another thing that uh, I find interesting is that of all the years that I've been working with people with the Word, and I've never, ever once got this question asked of me. But the disciples were with Jesus for three, three and a half years. And he kept on beating them up. You a little faith. You a little faith. Why do you doubt? How long must I suffer you? And the disciples said, increase our faith. Why isn't this something that we're not asking? Because it's not our fault. It has to be God's. Why aren't we asking to increase our faith? The disciples must have um, gotten tired of Jesus always telling them that they were lacking faith, that they were little faith, that they doubted. And the church doesn't ask this question at all. For, for most, when they don't get the results that they desire, they just write it off on God. God must not be good. God must not want his promises to be yes and amen in my life. God must not be a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Must not be God, his will because it can't be on our end. But the, not the disciples. Not the disciples. They wanted to increase their faith. So let's see what Jesus said they were to do if they wanted to increase their faith. Because some of you might be interested. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Okay, first of all, forget the mulberry tree. Because right now, that's the only thing you're thinking about. What's a mulberry tree? Does mulberry trees have mulberries on it? Are the mulberries good? I wonder if you can make a mulberry pie. Forget the mulberry tree. It has nothing to do with the mulberry tree. The apostles wanted to increase their faith. And Jesus said, if you had a mustard seed, if you had a mustard seed, i got a question for you. If you had a pumpkin seed, and you wanted more pumpkins, what would you do? You would plant the seed. You wouldn't go out and try to get more pumpkin seeds because you could have 100 pumpkin seeds. That wouldn't give you more pumpkins, right? You could have a whole 50-pound bag of pumpkin seeds, and that's not going to give you any more pumpkins. But if you had one pumpkin seed and you planted that pumpkin seed, do you realize that you could feed the whole earth potentially in that one pumpkin seed? Because that produces a pumpkin with seeds in that pumpkin. You plant those seeds, they plant more pumpkins and more pumpkins and more pumpkins. You don't need more seeds. You need to plant or use the seed you have. Jesus says, if you had faith like a mustard seed. This isn't talking about little bitty faith. That's what a lot of people teach on this. So you don't need a lot of faith. All you need is a little teeny, like a mustard seed tight, tight, size faith. You don't need a lot of faith. Then we just read scripture after scripture. If Jesus said, ye of little faith, 
And it wasn't a good thing. Little faith isn't a good thing. This isn't talking about the size of your faith. It's saying just like this small seed, you can plant it and it produces. What you do, what you do, if you, if you had faith like a mustard seed or like any seed, you would say. So what it's saying, it's planting. If you had faith like mustard seed or like any seed, you would just say. Think about God. God said, light be and light was. That's literally what it, that's how, how it's tr- a little translation in the Hebrew is he said, light be and light was. That's how simple it is to plant seed. This is how the kingdom of God works. This is how you got saved. You believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth and you received the miracle of the new birth. Then Jesus goes on to say, he goes on to say in verse 7, he says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drink, drunk, and then afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about seeds and mulberry trees and, and speaking, and then all of a sudden he goes on this crazy off track. He's off the track, and he's talking about servants and eating. And What's he talking about here? Remember the centurion? I say to my men, go, and they go. I say to the servant, do this, and he does it. I am a man that, under authority, and I know authority. This is what Jesus is teaching them in this parable. If you had a servant, I know we don't really understand this because we don't have servants. But if you had a servant... And they were plowing your field or tending your sheep. Would you thank them so much? Oh, thank you so much for plowing my field. No, because that's what it was expected of them. That's what they, you expected them to do that. Would you say, just come and rest and take it easy? This is what Jesus is saying. Sit back, I'll make you something to eat. No, you tell the servant... Now come in, you got the field plowed, you took care of the, the sheep there in the stable, now come in, make me some dinner while I sit here and rest. That's what you would do. Because that's what servants do. And it shouldn't be no surprise to us. In the same way, when you plant faith, it should be no surprises that your circumstances obey you. Is this not what Jesus had been showing them for the last three years? Isn't this what Jesus has been showing the disciples? Is this not what we have seen in the scriptures, how Jesus operated in faith by saying, 
Did you not see me calm the storm? Did you not see me give sight to the, to the blind? Did you not see me heal the sick? Did you not see me cast out devils? Did you not see me raise the dead? How did this happen? By speaking, treating your words of faith like a servant. Then he goes on to say, verse 10, So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, saying, Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have only done what was our duty to do. What's this saying? This is saying, just like, just, he's just using a separate example. Likewise, when God asks you to do something, you don't expect to be applauded for doing what he commanded you to do. Because you're only doing what you were told to do. Do you understand this? Where you're just doing what your duty was to do. Likewise, your faith should be working for you and producing what you have commanded it to do. And I know a lot of you, this is, whew. But they wanted to know how you can, they could increase their faith. And Jesus says, if you had faith like a seed, you would say, and then you expect what you said to do and accomplish what it's supposed to do. Why did Jesus expect faith from his disciples? Because of being with them. Because they were with him. They seen it demonstrated. They seen it lived out by hearing what he spoke and by witnessing the works that he did. In the same way, we should be with him. We should be with him. We should be learning from him. And we should be witnessing the works that he does through the body of Christ. See, God has given us his faith through his words. This is where a lot of people in in grace get confused. A lot of people think, well, it's not our faith. It's God's faith. So if it's God's faith, I don't have nothing to do with it. But over 30 times in the epistles, it's, it talks about your faith. Your faith. And the, and the places where it says have the faith of God or the faith in God, that word of and in aren't even in their original Greek. So you can put of or in or whatever. So you see, a lot of people get tied up in this idea. Is it our faith or is it God's faith? Well, none, of, none of it's yours. It all comes from God. Is it God's love or my love? Well, if it's your love, it stinks. It's selfish. It's self-centered. God gives us the faith. But what are you doing with it? If I was to give you a brand new car and you refuse to drive it, did I give you the car? Yeah, but you're not using it. Now, don't go believing for, for me to give you a brand new car. But anyways, yes, don't get tied up in that goofy stuff. Yes, it all comes from God. God has given you the faith. He's given you the measure of faith. Now use it. And if you have little faith, if you have puny faith, if you're, how do you increase your faith? By using what you have. 
Start speaking what you can speak. Start speaking what you do believe. Maybe it's, it's just starting off, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is good. God is good. Some of, you, some of you have a hard time believing that God is good. Faith. Faith is how the kingdom works. And too many of us have faith in the natural realm and, and what things are going on in the world in our own circumstances, and we, it's producing fear, fear, it's producing worry, it, it's producing apathy, it's producing laziness. But faith looks and sees what God sees. Faith looks into the promises of God. Faith reaches out and grabs what God is proclaiming and pulls it into the reality and changes our circumstances. Jesus expected his disciples to live by faith. And he expects the same from us. Now listen. Does God still love you even if you got little faith? Yeah. He understands. But what I'm saying is, is we don't have to be where we're at. And deep inside of us all, we want to we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow into the kingdom. We want to grow up in Christ to the full measure, full stature of Christ. Amen? So start planting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our example, and that we see that he is faith in action. He, we see the faith of God in motion. We see that we can line up what we say and what we do and how we act to the, how what Jesus would do. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the faith of God that was given to each one of us through the gift of the birth, new birth, that our spirits were born again and our spirits have been made exactly like Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. And we have the measure of faith. We have faith in us. And we speak it out. We plant the seed of faith in our life, and we watch it manifest. Heavenly Father, right now, we just thank you for those that this is brand new, that they've never heard anything like this before. And we ask that you would inspire them to hunger and thirst to understand, and that they would go to the Gospels and see Jesus Watch how Jesus lived. Watch his actions. Watch how he spoke. And that they would see themselves in Christ. Heavenly Father, we just ask that we would be a church full of faith in the works of God. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.